Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Bruce, if you have trouble finding that particular book, Verse, or chapter 3, verse 13. Who is a wise man and endureth, or and endued, I beg your pardon, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. Let's pause for a moment of prayer. Our Father, as we gather in your house again this evening under the power of your spirit, Would you bring us together as your children to learn what you have to say to us? May hearts be strangely warmed and filled from your spirit. May our minds be centered only upon you and our desires be only that of serving you. Send us forth out of this service, Lord, with the power of your Spirit to perform whatever we might do each day through the week in your name. We pray through Christ our Redeemer. Amen. In this morning's message, we dealt, as most of you are aware, with the problem of growing as Christian leaders. Some of the things that we need to look at to determine whether or not we are really maturing as Christian people and most particularly as leaders within the church. One of the real difficult problems that groups have and certainly churches have is sometimes that of self-appointed leaders. That is, those who believe that they ought to take the reins and govern what goes on and make the decisions and say so without the authority of the church behind them. And this becomes a problem. What I want to do this evening is for us to look for a little while at how we might recognize a good leader within our church or within any organization that you might belong. And I think this passage of scripture is important for us to use in in that context. 
in that uh, we can find some things in these last verses in the third chapter that speak to the qualities that ought to be in a person's life if he or she is going to be a good leader. And in the 13th verse, he makes it very clear and he uses a wise man and I want us to realize that as we talk about wise men or women, that we are talking in terms of people who have the capabilities and the wisdom to really lead a group of people. We're not talking about book knowledge or formal education. We're talking about something that goes far and beyond what one might be able to learn in any secular school or in any Sunday school class or in any church service. We're talking about something that a person has because he has acquired it directly from God. And that's wisdom. God gives wisdom. Man teaches uh, things, but man does not teach wisdom. We gain knowledge. We might gain understanding, gain lots of things from our formal education days and from experience in our daily lives, but we get wisdom from God. As a matter of fact, the scripture tells us that if we lack wisdom, that we ought to ask God for it. And he who gives liberally will grant us wisdom. Most of us probably do not have the wisdom that we ought to have simply because we haven't desired to get it from God or we have misinterpreted uh, really what wisdom is and think that mere knowledge and wisdom are, are identical and, and they certainly are not. But in the 13th verse, he talks about a person showing himself to be what he really is by his conversation. Now we can quickly and easily interpret good conversation to mean good behavior. Not only that which one says, but the, the action of, of a person. What he does in relationship to other people. Would his reaction and action be considered by society, by the church, or by God to be acceptable behavior? In school, there are certain behaviors that are not acceptable. And I have difficulty uh, dealing with those people who want to go against the flow of good discipline. And I run into that problem all the time. And uh, it, it becomes a real, a real thorn in the flesh wherever I go. And I'm going to be in court soon. With, uh, and I will be opposing a lawyer on this very subject that deals with one of the things that I have to do on my job. It has nothing to do with me personally, but, but just my job. Um, certainly, if we're going to look for good leaders, then we ought to look for people who are good behaviors. That's important who conduct themselves with good conversation, who lets his speech match his life, and vice versa. 
Because it does not take long until we are able to see through any kind of uh, falseness that a person might portray and begin to see the real individual come out because his conversation is going to reveal his identity ultimately, somewhere down the line. What is it you can fool some of the people uh, some of the time and all of the people all the time, but you can't fool all of the people all of the time. You're going to be found out, and I'm going to be found out. Our conversation will betray us, and we will be seen for what we are. So as we're looking for leaders, by the way, uh, I, want, I did not mention this this morning, but I do want to mention this evening, there has been some conversation in, the, in our deacons meeting about adding more deacons to our deacon board. We only have two here and one in Florida, and that's, that's not adequate to, to really do what needs to be done. And so uh, we have been doing a little talking about that, and I have approached uh, three individuals in our congregation to see what their feelings would be and thoughts would be if they were tapped on the shoulder by the church and said, hey, we'd like to have you as a deacon. And one of the things that we would be certainly looking for in that person as well as in any other leaders of the church and one of the things that we look for when, when a church look for a pastor and so on is that his conversation, his lifestyle uh, somewhat match. A lot of lost people are turned off by the church and will have nothing to do with even considering become Christian because they look at the life and the conversation of the Christian and say, if that's what it's like, I want nothing to do with it. They're able to quickly see through our image and see us really for what we are. So what ought we to look for? I want to suggest three things that we ought to look for in a good leader. And I'm sure that there are many things that we ought to look for. But one of them that I think is very important is that he or she is not pushy. That is, there is a humility about the individual. They are people who inspire, who lead, but who do not push. They are people who will take the low seat in a, a meeting, in a banquet, Going back to the discussion that Jesus had when he said that if you come into a banquet, don't go up to the head table and sit down there. Sit down low and if you are deserving, if you're a person of honor, somebody will come and get you and bring you up and put you at the high seat. And so one of the things that we see in a good leadership is that this person does not presume himself to be more important than he really is. He would prefer to consider himself less important than he is in order that the church or the body that is considering him might be able to tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, come on up to the head table. It's very embarrassing, and I've seen it done in banquets, when somebody presumes that he's to sit at the head table and goes up and sits down, and somebody has to come up and say, hey, this is reserved for somebody else. How about you go back down there and sit here? What an embarrassing situation. And it does happen. Uh, one of the good qualities of a leader is that he makes no presumption about his own importance. 
but it waits for somebody else to invite him to that position of importance. One of the things that I was quite impressed with when I talked to uh, the three people that uh, I commented that I did about becoming deacon is not one of them felt that they were deserving of that position. And that's a good characteristic. A good characteristic. All right. Second, uh, secondly, he or she is a person that is not anxious to set other people straight. And I commented somewhat on this this morning and, and we'll cut to this point short this evening because of it. But this was a problem that the Pharisees were involved in and Jesus criticized them. And you remember he gave us the story of the Pharisee and the publican who went out on the street corner and, and the publican stood there and prayed loud and long so that the whole world could hear his prayer and think of him as a mighty righteous individual. The person who toots his own horn you'd better watch out for because he's going to blow a sour note. Don't put him in your band until he learns to play with the group. Did you hear me? Peter had this problem. Jesus said to Peter, uh, after he had commented, uh, Peter, do you love me? And, G and Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love me. And then Jesus said, feed my sheep. And right after that conversation in the book of, of John, chapter 21, uh, Jesus said, Peter, you're going to die a, 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 for me, a death for me. And Peter said, well, how about this guy? Referring to John. How about John? What's going to happen to him? And Jesus, in essence, said, it really is none of your concern what the future of John is. You better be worrying about yourself. This is one of the fallacies of a good leader that we need to look for, and that is that he or she is quite anxious to look at other people and set them straight and rule their life and put them in order without any consideration as to what their own personality or their own problems or their own sins, their own relationship might be. And you know, this is one of the most difficult things to do. We have a preconceived notion that we're a whole lot better than others perceive us to be. This is a common problem of people. There are two people who will tell you to your face what they think of you. One is your enemy. And he'll tell you the truth, brother, as he sees you. The other is your best friend, who will also tell you the truth. The rest, you can't depend on to tell you the truth. We need somebody to pick us apart Tell us our faults and our good points so that we can see ourselves as other people see us. But we don't want to do that. If we did that, we would get our feelings hurt and all sorts of things. I have been in classes in which that was done. This is one of the training that preachers have to go through with. They are picked apart by their fellow preachers and told how bad and how good and what their faults are and all of those things. Uh, it's good training. It, because we have a 
preconceived notion that we're a whole lot different than other people see us to be. The third point that I think we need to look for in good leaders is to see if he shows signs of meekness which is opposed to self-assertiveness. Jesus said the meek shall inherit the earth. He didn't say the boisterous shall inherit the earth. The loud shall inherit the earth. The pushy shall inherit the earth. Those who rub people the wrong way, no, he said the meek. Meek does not mean weak. Meek simply means a person who is not going to push his way in. Andrew was meek. Peter was pushy. We need a lot of Andrews in our church. We need a lot of the characteristics and the qualities of Peter, but without the pushiness that he asserted in his early ministry until he learned better. Well, there are some things that we can also do to look to see if there is a person that is an unwise man, that is, that is unfit for leadership. And we find some of those things in the 14th verse. And he talks about bitter envying. Envy is one of the weaknesses of most human beings because there is a tendency to want to protect ourselves and, and we want to, to be in front and be the big eye. And if anybody else achieves over us, then we envy that person. It turns into bitterness and then it turns into strife and strife turns into contentions and then there are disputes and rivalries and schisms and schemes and all kinds of things began to develop simply because a person could not allow himself to take a step back and allow somebody else to step forward. And so we go through the envy process. If somebody buys an automobile that is better in my automobile, it's my tendency to envy them until I can get one better than theirs. And if you have that problem, well, I don't really have that problem, but I want to use that as an illustration. I don't mind driving an automobile and somebody else drives one better, but there are people who do. There are people who, and particularly women, have this problem, cannot stand to be outdressed by anybody else. If we're in a conversation, our kids are the best behaved and there was nobody like our grandchildren, bar none. We want to have the best and this becomes a problem. If a person exerts this into their leadership capabilities and become envious of others, he or she is beginning to show signs of lack of ability to lead. Then there are those who want to gather cliques. And we've all been exposed to those. One person wants to get three or four people to the side and talk to them and say, hey, how about you uniting with me because we've got a crusade that we want to, to push. And there are a few people who will gather around some strong individual who comes forth with with all this uh, enthusiasm and pushiness, and then finally the clique falls apart, and everybody wonders what happens to the clique. I'll tell you what happens to it. Unless it's found on Jesus Christ, it won't last. Amen. Paul faced this problem. 
So the people in the churches that he ministered to said, we belong to Paul. And others said, we belong to Peter. And others said, we belong to Barnabas. And there were a few who said, we belong to Christ. One of the real concerns that I see in our churches is that people have a tendency to rally around an individual. I don't want any of you rallying around me as an individual. I want you to understand that. And when the day comes that I leave this church and go somewhere else, which obviously will happen someday, I do not want one single person ever following me. Because this is your church. This is where you belong. Not following me to my next pastor at some place. Our commitment is here. Not to some individual. Follow Christ and follow Him only. And not somebody who wants to come along and, and get you all rallied around. And we've had those experiences. Verse 15, he says this kind of wisdom that we've been talking about didn't come from God. This kind of leadership was not godly leadership. And there are people who are in the pulpits and people in Sunday school classes and as deacons and all the other activities of the church who believe in their heart that they were God-appointed and they are as wrong as homemade sin. God did not make those appointments. Man made those appointments and made a mistake in some cases. We just thought and they just thought that God made the appointment. As a professor said about a student who sat in his class when someone had referred to that student as one of his students and the professor said he may have sat in my class but he was never a student of mine. Listen, there are lots of people who sit in this church that are not disciples of Jesus Christ. And we need to be able to sort them out and know who can lead us to the throne of grace and who's going to lead us down a path of distress. And it's difficult at times to know which is which. He said that this kind of wisdom is earthly, it's sensual, and it's devilish. Alright, verse 16. He says, where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And we all know that is as true as it can be. Envy and strife produce confusion. And that's evil. The word confusion means unquietness. There is not a calm where there is envy and strife. There is a rumbling that eventually develops into an outright roar that becomes sinful and destroys by its very nature. And it all comes 
from the hearts of people who are bitter in the ears. Verse 17 admonishes us that if we want to be leaders, if we want to have the wisdom that is necessary for good leadership, then we're going to get that from above. And he says that kind of leadership is first of all pure. It is not tainted with personalities. It's not tainted with self-aspirations. It is not tainted with uh, our own desires for advancement and recognition. It comes from above and it is absolutely pure. Secondly, he says it is peaceful. And then he says it is gentle and it's easy to be entreated. That is, it's easy to accept. It doesn't rub us the wrong way. It makes us want to put our arms around each other and love each other. That's what God's wisdom gives us. But when there is uh, pushing off, when there's arm's length conversations, when there is lack of good Christian communication, we are seeing the wisdom of the world and not the wisdom of God. God's wisdom is friendly and draws. The world's wisdom is unfriendly and repulses. A good leader will be all these things that he outlines here in wisdom. Pure. And we talked about some of those things this morning. And peaceable. And producers of good fruit. He says without partiality. And without hypocrisy. And again, that brings us back to the beginning. Our speech matches our life. And if it doesn't, that's not good leadership. Righteousness, he says in verse 18, is produced in peace, not in strife. The church will be righteous when it is at peace. The church will be at peace when all of its members love each other and love God with a full and complete heart. Then we'll have a church that grows. Here, this church and every other church will grow because the world cannot break through and see discrepancies in what we say from what we do. Until we have arrived at that point, we still have growth that needs to be made. We're still juveniles or perhaps even children. Until we have put ourselves full and completely in the hands of God, and then we'll lead in His wisdom and not in man's wisdom. Shall we pray? 
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.